Welcome to the Hansa Conversations, where we discuss some ideas behind the Hansa therapeutic philosophy and other ideas around therapy, movement, and yoga practices as they relate to life in general. We welcome you, and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hansa Conversations. Uh, with me, Meta from Hansa Indonesia, and this time I have two gentlemen with me. One of them you already know. Um, he's Vincent Boeda, founder and director of Hansa. And another, our guest today is Rafan Kebe, an international somatic movement teacher and trainer. He's also the creator of Space and Flow, which is a movement-based yoga practice that promotes healthy spine, joints, and muscular strength, as well as body-mind awareness. So hello, gentlemen. How are you today? Hey Meta, I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good too, thanks Meta. I'm, I'm just, uh, excuse me, uh, it's a rainy day, thundery day in Beijing, so if you hear these cracks in the background, it's because there's some some thunder and lightning happening. Where are you today, Rafan? I'm in London, sunny uh-huh. London, which is she's not something one says often. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, that's beautiful. I hope you get mm. to enjoy the day after this. I'm here in Bandung. The weather is, I guess, all right. It was sunny, but I'm expecting rain tonight. So, Isn't it pretty cool? I mean, here we are. Ruffin's in England. I'm in China and you're in Indonesia. I mean, hey, hey, can't get any better, can it? <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> That's true. technology for us. That's right. Um, That's right. So, cool, Vincent, cool. Hey. maybe you can start introducing everybody about who Ruffin is. Sure, sure. I, I, I met Ruffin um, online, really. I, I was impressed and uh, inspired by one of your videos that you put online, Ruffin. And in, in that, I uh, reached out to you, wanting you to come down to New Zealand and do a teacher training because of what I saw. It was poetry in motion in terms of your practice and, and the artistic I suppose um, putting together of that video too was really something I, I, I personally resonated with. I, I'd just like you to introduce yourself a little bit more and um, how you got into yoga, um, where you are now with it, and just, just general background so our listeners have a, a, bit, of an, a bit of idea really of, of who you are. Mm. No, thank you for that. And, uh, um, yeah, I do remember you um, contacted me. That was a, a few years back, quite a couple of years back. Um, so, um, yeah, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm Rafan. Originally, from, I was born in Paris, and I grew up in Paris as well, in France. Um, and I left when I was 19 to come here in London, to, to the UK. So it's been 22 years that I'm now based here. Uh, and you've asked me to introduce, um, to introduce myself in terms of the work world. My yoga practice really started, a consistent practice started something like 15 years ago um, through back pain. Um, I was a musician, a bass player, bass guitarist, and halfway through my music degree, uh, my back just gave up and any time I play I'd be in a, a lot of pain. Um, so I had to um, basically stop playing for a year, I had to put my studies on hold. It was a rough year, um, to say the least, and um, I discovered through uh, working with a chiropractor, I discovered um, Pilates, and through doing quite a bit of Pilates, I, I got on to doing and taking classes in yoga. And um, since um, I was doing a lot more yoga than anything else at that time, and uh, um, like most of us, you fall in love with a practice that makes you feel good and you think, well, perhaps I could also share this with others. I looked into teacher training courses. Uh, there was not a lot of options back in those days. Um, so, yeah, I managed to do my first teacher training course um, in Canada, actually, and uh, qualify and then eventually uh, mix in both uh, teaching yoga and being a musician and then eventually had to make um, a choice um, and to um, basically concentrate and focus on on teaching yoga because I had to be I wanted to be consistent uh, you know and also I wanted to become good and to me that came with showing up 
um, every day and being there consistently for my classes, my students, myself. So um, I, I can admit the switch to, and also from a practical point of view, you know, when you play music such as funk and reggae and dub, and uh, you get paid half of the uh, the fees that you always promised uh, for whatever reasons. <laughs> That's uh, making make, <laughs> making a living as a musician is always a, an interesting one, especially uh, that type of music. So um, yoga became my steady gig, so to speak. It was where I was making my steady income, um, being a father and having bills to pay and people to feed. Um, it was a no-brainer, really. So I decided to just uh, focus on that uh, for all those reasons. Yeah, and so um, been teaching full-time for 14 years now, uh, Space and Flow, my school and my style, so to speak, um, is going to be nine years old um, in a couple of weeks, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about it in relation to my, I'm sure we're going to talk some more about the practice and a few other things um, that you might want to know about how I do what I do and why I do it. Yeah, but in yeah, terms absolutely. of background, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How did you... What uh, what was the uh, initial impetus of creating space and flow? How what was the evolution until you create this beautiful style of movement? Mm. Well, I mean, the expression I like to use is that of write the book that you want to read, and um, mm. so I did, you know. Um, and I'm still very much in a process of editing it. Right. But, um, the the impetus uh, was very much about wanting to create something that I would be happy taking classes off. Um, and also, I mean, this perhaps sounds positively good. Uh, and also the fact that I am not a really good disciple. I'm a good student, but I'm not a good disciple. So being as creative as I am and as I always was, um, the idea of doing somebody else's practice only can only could last a, a, a short while for me. It was it was never really an option for me to become a certified Ashtanga teacher. And no, because I, I knew simply because of my ways of being and that I was going to change things and go against things and rebel against certain things. So I might have, you know, it was a natural progression for me to simply um, um, create something that uh, I would put my, my own stamp on it. To be honest with you, um, but now that I'm talking to you about it, I also I shared that only a few weeks ago with some people on my mentoring course because it's something that I don't really talk about very often. But I think I cannot talk to you about it because you guys are teachers. Is that space and flow was at first not a, a practice method; it was a teaching method. Mm. And um, because pedagogy is something that I'm always interested in. This is why my podcast is, talk, is, is called a talking, teaching and flow, because I am interested in, in the sharing of knowledge and wisdom more so than I am interested in the various disciplines. So for me, it was about the sharing of whatever I gained through my practice and how. So putting together tools um, in order to share that, in other words, teaching tools, you know, strategies. That had to go, that had to do with learning strategies because I think that teaching has got to do with how people learn was really in, and truly the first intent for space and flow. In other words, mm. space and flow, I was using space and flow um, uh, principles to teach Iyengar, to teach Ashtanga, to teach all the various classes that I was covering and then eventually realizing that actually this is not how it works. I mean, it works for me as a person and someone who's, who fancies themselves as an educator. But by the time you start changing the way Ashtanga is shared, mm -hmm. then it's not Ashtanga anymore. And by the time you start changing the way Ayanga is shared, then it's not Ayanga anymore. And it took me a little while to make peace with that. And then once um, I realized that, then it was called, it was a case of how can I then apply my own teaching principles to my own practice? Yeah. Mm. I, I, I had this uh, question around these two words that you've put together, space and flow, and what first, what does space mean to you? And then what does flow mean to you? And um, yeah. what principles do, do you align with? And why, and the third question, I suppose, out of those two, why these two together, space and flow? 
Mm. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, space to me is in relation to time and flows in relation to space, actually. Um, I trained as a photographer and I, even now I tend to see things according to um, traces left in space. So when I create a sequence or when I teach something, the way for me to remember them is one kinesthetically as to how certain movement patterns feel so that I can then follow the thread. But visually, externally, I remember how things are traced in space. So my relationship to space has always been in relation to that, you know, the manipulation of light, which I know, um, uh, Vincent, you're also into photography, right? Um, yeah. My manip the manipulation of that and how, depending on the angle and, and how you manipulate light, both within yourself and, you know, externally, things can change how, you know, things can look differently, but it can also feel differently. And flow, um, <laughs> I mentioned uh, flows in relation to space because there's something continuous about space. There's something continuous about the idea of flow. Um, you know, something that is consistent and does not stop. And even if it's, even if it um, slows down or speeds up, it does, it carries on. And, and that is something that is easy to say. Um, you know, the term vinyasa flow has been used for many, many years. But for me, it was also a challenge to go, you know what, I don't think many of those vinyasa flow practice, practices are actually very flowy. There was a, a contradiction um, between what I was being taught, the way I was being taught it, you know, make a shape, stop there and then make another one and somehow yeah. call, it, call it vinyasa krama without much... Um, without much flowness in it. Um, so that's for in relation for the space and flow. I mean, the other reason for the space and flow aspect was um, when Indaba opened, which is a studio I teach at in, uh, in central London, and I was proposed, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was being asked to come up with a name for my class, which at the time I didn't know what um, to call. I also put together space and flow because I had previously opened two different yoga studios. Um, one, the first one was called Karma Flow, and the second one yeah. was called the, the Yoga Space. So it was uh, it was all coming together. Um, mm. From that point of view, both um, made me realize that actually my relationship to space had to do with my love for, as I mentioned, the sky and the sun and the relationship to space and what it means, and without necessarily getting in too deep, also the architecture of the human body and the architecture of of environments because um, you know architects uh, have been speaking of the organization of buildings and of um, social environments for many 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 years and that is what i was trying to hint at um, the same with flow and also the fact that it was a uh, odd to to both of my previous businesses <laughs> Yeah, very good. Because I always, for me, see flow from the perspective of transition, and I mm. always see, you know, uh, flow also from this idea of a continuum. So I, yeah. I like how it kind of feeds into both uh, our human body and how it sort of kind of, I suppose, progresses from one moment to the next, and then at the same time how we fit into that space and how we inhabit that space. Mm -hmm. So I think these are really two good things. Um, I have a question around what are some of the main principles that you would teach in in a flow training or a space and flow training? Because mm -hmm. you said that the space and flow is more of a, a principles of, of how to transmit information. So what are some of the main foundations that you work with? Mm. I mean, it's, it's not more of, it started as, it started off as um, a teaching methodology. But yeah, thank you for asking the, uh, the, the, the couple of principles. I mean, the first one I tend to teach with people is, uh, it's called uh, the big threes. And the big threes is nothing new, but it's uh, the way I've put it together. The big threes is basically um, my, your relationship, our relationship to the ground, number one, okay. to the spine, number two, and to the breath, number three. So I assess um, the quality and the validity also of certain postures, of certain transitions, of certain sequences based on those three things and in that order as well. What is my relationship or what is there if I'm looking at students 
or someone I'm looking at in terms of video, what is their relationship to the ground? How grounded are they? And, you know, we can speak about, you know, what it means for me to be grounded. Um, how is their relationship to their spine? Is the spine elongating, um, expanding, or it is somehow being compressed in order to make a shape? And with that, how is the relationship to their breath? Because if the breath is constricted, as you know, we know and understand being yoga practitioners, um, the breath is a reflection of the mind. So the idea is that if you can control your breath and if you can soften your breath, you can soften your state of mind and that's the ultimate goal. So if your practice is one that is mostly physically ungrounded, that is one internally constricting and compressing in terms of the spine and is one that makes your breath shallow and all over the place, then as far as I'm concerned, it is not a good practice. So I am going to now offer you tools to somehow um, augment um, your relationship to the ground first, you know, and then find a way to allow you to lengthen and expand your spine, number two. And then I will help you bring awareness to your breath. So mm-hmm. let's put that in the context of, you know, you know I've seated out of spinal twist, you know, um, cross, you know, legs are crossed somehow. You are, you're sitting on your bum and you have the left foot by your right butt cheek. And, um, and you are right, you, you have your right foot on the outside of the left thigh. Okay, so... You know, I came from a school also where people sometimes were offering people, the uh, students, the uh, the option of putting a block underneath um, the, the right butt cheek in this case. Um, and that is to me not an adaptation, it's a compensation pattern, which I want to avoid because, as I said, now your relationship to the ground is compromised. Yeah. And also now we're not talking about a twist anymore, we're talking about a side bend. So after the big threes, and I will come back to that, after the big threes is the concept of differentiation. What are we really, really doing right now? Because it's easy to say I'm twisting, but technically, really, actually, you're not twisting. You're side bending, which is massively different. Physiologically, physically, it's, it's, it's miles apart, although they are both included one with the other to an extent and sometimes straight away. So that's number two, but to come back to the, um, our spinal twist, for us and for most of us human beings to have both sit bones being grounded on the floor, and I would want both sit bones to be equally grounded on the floor so that then the spinal column can be lengthening on both sides equally so that we can then call it a twist. Because a twist, there's no such thing as right or left twist. The truth is if you twist to the right, both the left and right inside of your spinal column, if your spinal column is somewhat relatively healthy, will be lengthening somewhat equally. Um, So I want both sit bones to be on the floor. And for that reason, I will then suggest and tell my students to remove the left foot from right next to their right butt cheek and extend the left leg forward. So now the half spinal twist is not one of them where the legs are all crossed up. One is the left leg is straight and the right foot is either on the outside or on the inside of the left thigh. And now we've established a a much better connection to the ground through the sit bones. And now that we have the connection to the bone through the sit bones, we can use both sit bones to lengthen the spine. Okay. And easily with that, the breath will come in. Now, this sounds very easy for us physically. But as you can, as I'm sure Vincent and yourself may tell you, I've, I've come across when you work with people. You work with belief systems Absolutely. and now, you know, and now you're making people do things in ways that just doesn't look like the magazines or uh, Instagram or so on, so on, so. So, um, yeah, this is this is an interesting one that allowed me to then learn about psychology and, and how mm. important mindsets are. So I'm quite, you know. So, yeah. So, for instance, this is how um, the big threes in terms of teaching method. So, you, you know, I was teaching that when I was covering a, a, an Ayanga class, <laughs> you know, and explaining it as much as I didn't have the verbal cues at the time. I didn't have, I couldn't verbalize it perhaps the way I'm doing it right now. But I was, this is what I was trying to convey to these people who had me cover their class or who had me cover their teacher's class. And then, you know, a week after the teacher comes back and says, you know, what did you teach them? They were all confused and I was trying to do stuff that's simply not within our tradition and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. 
So, you know, it took me a while to realize that actually what I was teaching was actually sometimes even going the opposite direction of what the practice was actually cultivating or or the opposite direction of what the the practice was actually um, uh, prescribing, such as, Mm -hmm. you know, stop with all the props and the belts and all of that and you adapt the posture to your body as opposed to you adapting your and contorting your body to the posture and certain you know schools and certain teachers you know and certain students also just want to work with that so yeah and the same for Ashtanga and the same for quite a few other things so uh, you know it was me in my pretentious way uh, audacious ways of somehow saying you know I'd like to share expansion with people and then going okay it, it applies but unfortunately it doesn't apply because ashtanga is a paradigm in itself Ayanga is a paradigm in itself mm-hmm. and uh, i've got to i can now say that there was a period of time i had no respect for them whatsoever and now i've gained a lot of respect because i've i've, I've i think i realized a lot more what master Ayanga was actually doing uh, it's just that i don't think the teachings of it is very good I mean, from a general point of view um, but at the time it was the case of yeah bringing a teaching methodology that sometimes was simply at odd with the actual practice or or, or the how certain practices were set up so yeah, yeah. To, long story short this is an example of, of one of the principles that I teaching principles that I that I share now in space and flow I, I, cool. I so, so just oh, sorry Mita, I just want ahead, to just quickly jump in so mm-hmm. um, sure. just so so adaptation is created to enable the student to find the big threes, basically. Yeah. And so ad- adaptation is what you introduce into your te- teaching methodology so that the student can experience these ideas of grounding, obviously the spinal elasticity and lift that you mentioned, mm. and then the breath. Mm. And so, and then your ability to create that differentiation between uh, I would say probably a more easier way of of connecting to the body when you start to adapt and you start to align to these three ideas that you start to create a better differentiation because one obviously there's a constriction there's a there's also a limitation to the the person's function and then mm-hmm. when you add that adapt, adaptation you create this I think a greater sense of ease and fluidity into the mm-hmm. shape that they've created so so the conflict is reduced mm-hmm. and then at the same time there is a sense of, if I can use the word flow, from the perspective of how flow is regenerating and recycling within that moment of the in-breath and out-breath. Would that be sort of kind of right in my assumption, um, Refn? Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and with that, um, finding the right language for it, because as I mentioned, um, realizing that then you come across belief systems and... and, and mm. And also you come across the obstacle of walking against um, um, meanings that people have, have, have managed to make for themselves as to what the practice is supposed to be, feel and look like. And that is, mm. and as, as you know, it's, uh, it's the artist bit. Like we can, we can teach adaptation and physical adaptation fairly easily, especially if you've got your own self-practice and You've got your own vocabulary that you can share with others. And, you know, this is perhaps the hardest, I'm sorry, the easiest part. But now to go and come across as someone who's offering a path towards a bit more freedom can actually be um, not as straightforward as as just offering the big threes and and a differentiation Mm -hmm. between this and that. And uh, so, mm. so this is where I, I'm at. And I'm saying that because I know you're a trainer, and so we can talk between trainers as well, which is how to go about training people to to teach in a way that is both, um, you know, collective, but also can be highly individualized. And finding yeah, principles that work across is, I think, um, where it's at. And it takes a, it takes a little while. And it takes a bit of um, compassion and empathy. And sometimes it takes... Um, it takes uh, boldness and your ability to be okay with being disliked and your ability to be called an asshole or anything like that, you know? Um, but yeah, so I think you're... Uh, I, totally I heard a really nice, yeah, I heard a really nice statement today uh, about growth and, you know, and also human condition, that tension is part of this relationship that we are 
trying to establish and that tension is an element of conflict and that mm. also that conflict enables us to to progress and direct our energies and at the same time you know focus for the future so there's a progressiveness to it if mm. everything was sweet and hunky-dory and mm. then it actually works against us so i like the idea that that we create elements of agitation that we create yeah. sometimes mm. question we question in a particular way that you know it's not it's not so easy to answer because we have to deconstruct our belief system to really start to answer some of these questions and sometimes we don't want to do that so there's always going to be an element of resistance mm. and and in terms of psychology I, I totally agree and i i have this statement in my mind that that flow is a state of mind it's not a mm. physical relationship it's more about the way that we either inhibit our sense of flow or sense of ease and rhythm uh, and it's through really perception and interpretation, which is all constructs of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And I'm, sorry, Meta, I'm jumping no. in. I'm ex- excited. <laughs> I can hear your excitement. <laughs> I'm excited too. I, I just love listening to what you shared, Rafan. And I've been drawing parallels as well to, to the practice that we have at Hansa because we also, I think, believe that adaptability is quite crucial and because everybody is quite different in a way in terms of their abilities and I like what you did because I feel that the big threes is sort of if you want to pull it back to the yoga sutras it's like really sirasukamasana um, that you started from the serum from the ground is the stability and you find that ease and and it, it gives a certain integrity so people have that to hold on to while and, and that sort of integrity can be applied to many different things, and as Vincent mm-hmm. said, and that, that might be where flow happens. So I found that really beautiful. Uh, but I've been really curious. I mean, most teachers, when I mean, they go in their journey, normally they, they want to educate the mass and others. But you naturally, in your flow, you started with teaching the teachers and educating the teachers. Uh, have that always been... A passion of yours that does that evolve just naturally, or was that a specific decision of that you want to start with the teaching met- methodologies for teachers? Um, no, no, it, it, I mean, it, it was always there because, uh, as I mentioned, of the way I've always been, where I've always looked as to how I'll put it this way I've always been a teacher in a sense that uh, my mom was a child mentor for 25 years. So I had students of mine, I had students around me all the time, but I, I always talked anything that I, I, I learned. So, you know, for a while I was a swimming coach and then I studied photography, so I taught photography. Um, so, I've, you know, I'm 42 now, but I've been a teacher since I was very, very young, so to speak. So to me, the transfer of knowledge has always been important, much more important than whatever I was studying at the time. And um, so, uh, you know, for wrong and for bad, I would always basically judge, not even rape, but judge people on how they shared something, uh, more, more so than what, how capable they were of showing off, whatever. Um, so it, it's natural, but at the same time, it's also an evolution for me to be now working mostly with, you know, most of my students are teachers. Um, it just so happened that, yeah. It, it evolved um, into into that because it's a line, like I'm what I'm I'm realizing that more and more and especially teaching online where a um, l- lot of the stuff that I do um, I've been doing it for a while and some of the videos that are that I'm sharing now that people are commenting on and very nicely you know um, sending me private messages of support and inspiration and all those things. A lot of those videos are like four or five years old, so yeah. um, it's it, at the same time I've I was sending that to my wife. I was just I'm very very grateful that somehow people are now starting to notice what I'm doing. But the truth is I've been doing this for a minute, um, and I'm saying that to say that um, now that I'm teaching online a lot more, I'm, I'm realizing more and more that it's the language that I use and the language, both the physical language, but also the verbal language that, I, that I'm that i creating, uh, the book that I'm writing, that is really where it's at, because, um, yeah, it's a, way, it's a way to move through space. And as Vincent was saying, saying earlier on, your ability to maneuver through space is to me akin to your ability to verbalize your thoughts. 
And um, the, the more you grow your vocabulary and the better your, your story is going to become. And mm-hmm. so if one wants to grow their story, we've got to grow our vocabulary. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, there's no, I've tried, you know, I'm, I'm a rebel. I've tried to keep it very, very simple, but the truth is, um, any language you speak, and I'm talking about language, whether English or else, um, you want to tell your stories, your stories better, you, you, you know, learn to speak better. You know, there are words that are even more appropriate for what you want to say. Mm-hmm. So um, this is what I'm trying to do. And this is the editing of Space and Flow, the book right now. Um, oh, about, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Isn't this cool. beautiful that um, you, you're your teaching is all about space and flow and with what we are made to do right now teaching online this idea of space is expanded and suddenly mm. the traces that you talked about now permeates maybe even further through through digital abilities and mm. time might be blurred even more like you said that you have videos from a few years ago that people are still responding to and i feel that that also what do you call that inform or add on to the stories that you're creating and maybe you the flow is changing again from this sorry i just got mm. excited just because now <laughs> i feel that there's possibilities are growing to directions that we don't even know we don't even oh know yeah them. exponentially totally yeah. totally has it has it been teaching online uh Refin? because i know we did something together well probably a month ago now uh, mm-hmm. would you where you invited me on the uh, live workshop, which was great, by the way. I really enjoyed that time. Mm, um, but you know, things, yeah, and, and things have slowly starting to change. But first and foremost, how did you find transitioning to online? And now, where are you with it? Uh, since now things are starting to ease in New Zealand, I know things have uh, moved quite rapidly to a much more freer sort of society, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in your thoughts around this. Mm. Well, I mean, first of all, my the transition was, um, I think, like most people, a bit rough because there was a massive learning curve. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I'm a fan of massive learning curves, so I've got that, um, uh, I call it superpower, where I'm okay with chaos and I am okay with changes and I'm okay with reinventing myself. And to an extent, I was waiting for that. Um, so... The switch to online has been uh, um, very interesting and I'm extremely grateful for it. I've been meaning to do it for years because, you know, you meet people over the years and they ask you, do you have anything online? Do you sell any classes? Blah, blah. And my answer was always, yeah, I'm going to do it very, very soon. So it forced my hand and uh, I'm very, very grateful for that switch. And the way it is now is uh, I'm loving it. I am absolutely Mm. loving it. I love having... Uh, I love a couple of things. Um, one, I love having people from uh, last Sunday. I had someone in Perth, in you know, Western Australia in class, uh, someone in Hong Kong, but also someone in Canada, um, someone in Israel. I love that. As, you, as Meta, Meta, as you said early on, like having and Vincent also, having people in, in different places in the world, in different time zones, in different weathers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. Um, someone in their living room and you can see the rain through their windows and someone else is in their garden uh, next yeah. next to their swimming pool. I, I, I absolutely love that as well as something that really touches my heart. And I really got, you know, a tad emotional last week when I had uh, on my Tuesday evening class, perhaps, I don't know, 15 or 17 people, but there was uh, a couple, you know, husband and wife, and there was a brother and sister. Um you know, and there was also uh, a couple was, I think, in Spain, brother and sister were here in London. And there was a mother with a young um, four or five year old child. And um, and then, you know, those various combinations of people. Yeah, and that to me touches my heart because now the practice becomes real practice. Because a practice yeah. to me is real only when you can make it part of your life and it's not something separate. And it's not something elitist and it's not something that only um, is for very, you know, that one period of time in your week or in your day. As much as it's good for, to have a private time, you know, that me time. 
the fact that this mother could have a four or five year old, uh, and it happens every week, you know, I see others who have their kids walking around, their families walking around. I absolutely love that because to me, this is what the yoga practice is supposed to be. Um, and I, it really touched me, especially at the end where, you know, I, I go through my little salutation and hands together to heart center and, and this little girl joins in and I got in front of my, 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 in my, on my screen, basically, you know, brother and sisters and everyone else who's solos and, and that little girl was sitting on her mom's lap and, and just going through, you know, the movements of her arms and putting their hands to heart center and going namaste at the end. And she started the, uh, the class and I've asked her what's her, what her name was. And she says, I'm the angry caterpillar. That's, that's yeah, okay. how the class. That's the that's the how the class started for. Uh, so I didn't know her name, you know. And then at the end of it, she was so calm and uh, through at Shavasana, she kept looking at the screen, or basically at me, you know, because I was just sitting there doing nothing. And um, very cool. To be able to affect that type of change across the screen, and they're probably based somewhere in Italy or in Spain. Mm. Um, so to me, that you know, I'm grateful for the face-to-face classes, but mm. yeah. th- that it's where it's at so to answer your question sorry for being so long-winded i um i absolutely love teaching online yeah 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 Yeah, um i have grown also i think out of necessity to to teach online i think meta as well and i'm i'm pretty much loving it as well i'm just as we all are trying to figure out what is the best way of presenting ourselves and the information as well online because obviously there's few obstacles not so much with with technicalities but how we perceive it mm. and how we perceive it really determines how we approach it so and it's just changing you know um our our mode of operation really trying to get out of those habits of how we normally teach offline and now mm. we just need to be completely different and and like you i love the idea that we can build new skills and i think our hand has been forced and and I do see you more prominent as well online. I see a lot more of you as well, which is mm. great. And so it's it's thrusted, I think, your profile more out into the community, which I think is really good, personally. Mm. So there's been a lot of benefits from this. Yeah, I agree. No, thank you. Yeah, I do. I, I just I, want to say that I think all the barriers are really just being broken down. Um, we are really reach, reaching people far and wide, and mm. and then you can find those people like different age groups, different backgrounds coming together, and I really find that one of the benefits of this online training. I agree. I, I think it's a, it's, it's I think the greatest uh, and the most positive impact of this this whole situation was not only for most of us to realize what's necessary, but also how possibilities to have something decent from the comfort of your living room, bedroom, garden. Um, and also, as you said, um, being able to bring different generations and different cultures all at once with one practice. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And to come back to um, what Vincent was just saying in terms of adapting the teaching and to an extent adapting the, the practice, because I, I make a massive differentiation between what is practice and what is teaching of that practice. Um, I've, I've, I've my, you know, I've shared with you my big threes, which is number one and number two differentiation, but number three is also, uh, something that I've, I've, I've been causing a lot of trouble and I've been in trouble for a lot over the years, but I'm now very grateful that I actually stuck to my guns, which is confusion, which is the ability to offer a practice that's going to bring about a bit of confusion in my students and standing my ground with it and not and, and doing so without apologies um because the uh, it's perhaps a paradox but people listening to this saying well this guy wants to explain things to people better but at the same time he doesn't mind being them being confused totally that's the beauty of this is the most beautiful paradox for me because as um vincent you were saying earlier on you know that friction and conflict is part of growth well guess what conflict friction comes in the form of confusion, physical, mental, you name it. And um, so I, as much as I also adapt to certain things, 
also stick truth to that principle of mine, which is number three, that uh, I am here to offer a practice that is based on one main uh, theme. And the theme is that the practice is about the working it out. It is not about the work to getting it right. And that implies that. And, and to, for me to stay grounded as the person, as the man, as the teacher that I am, it implies that I have to offer and that I have to stay, stand strong when someone is in front of me saying, you're not allowing me to get this right here, right now, as fast as I wanted to get it. And mm. for me to say, it's okay. That is exactly what the practice is. Mm. So from the get-go, my number three basically uh, enables me to say, I am not for everyone all the time. And space and flow is not something that is for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Um, and that this switching online has made this very, very clear. Now, as I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we were having this conversation about um, going online and teaching, I am refining my verbal cueing. I am refining my, my, my verbal tones. I, I'm refining how I explain things. I am improving my storytelling skills. Um, having said that, I am still offering a practice that is physically can be at times extremely confusing, and I stand, I stand, I stand to that with that. Um, I am not going to um, start chewing that food for you. You are going to have to put some work in, and because really and truly, look, um, if I was to break it down to the end of the whole thing, or what is this whole thing that I'm teaching for, is for us as human beings, and this is my offering to the world, at least to myself to start with, is building resilience, is, mm-hmm. is the ability to find comfort within uncertainty. I'm not reinventing the world. This is a very old Buddhist and Sufi, you know, and yeah. wise old concept. How can we possibly find peace and find comfort within uncertainty? Well, the, the physical practice of yoga and that of vinyasa yoga enables us to do that in our, in, with our bodies. So for me to make it so that it's you get it straight away and there's no confusion and there's no conflict and there is no uh, uncertainty, then I am not offering a yoga practice as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, that number three confusion and really and I have to break it down. I tell people, excuse my language, but you're here to fuck it up. You're not here to get it right. And that normally normally kind of softens everyone and most people go, okay, all right. So I can look like you know look like i don't know what i'm doing most definitely you have to yeah yeah totally agree i mean vincent always say yoga happen yoga happens in that moment of discomfort in that moment of uncertainty Mm. the question marks right vincent yeah well i yeah you know yoga for me is not the symbol of yoga you know the om symbol it's the wrong one. I think it needs to be re- re-edited. It needs to be the question mark. That should be the symbol of yoga. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think that's that's you're absolutely right. I think life in itself is very uncertain. You know, I think we're hardwired to try and uh, create uh, scenarios that we we um, what would the word be that we know what's around the corner. But in actual fact, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know the next moment. And I think, you know, to teach transition, to teach flow, to really teach flow that aligns with how we normally live our lives is not an easy proposition because, as you said, there's people are not geared for that. People have certain anxieties when they don't know what they're doing or they are, as, as you mentioned, it, you know, fucking it up, basically. Mm. But building those resources, I think, as you mentioned, building resources, one of which is resilience, the other which is adaptation. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, I think losing our equilibrium is actually a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But somehow or another, as we become adults, this this doesn't seem to be our language anymore. We We lose the ability to play. We lose the ability to make mistakes. And we just had a conversation yesterday about you know, somehow now when you become a yoga teacher, you know, you can't make mistakes anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we learn through all these processes uh, when it when it's not going our way. And and I hope that it's not going my way, you know, tomorrow because then I have to re-navigate, recalibrate, yeah. 
and and that tells you something about yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So, but I totally agree with you, Rafan. I really do. Mm-hmm. I have I have only one more final question for me, but Meta, you may have a few more. How how do you teach your students to become more uh, observational of themselves and other people? Mm-hmm. What are some of the tools or some are, I suppose you know philosophies that you encourage them to align with, or some of the mm-hmm. practical relationships that you may be offering as protocols? Mm-hmm. The main one is um, making peace with the fact that the path to freedom is to be found within limitations. So I offer limitations and I offer a path towards building the capacity to really acknowledge and and appreciate the benefits of limitations. Okay, um, can I stop you there? Can I stop for, you because I feel that I feel, I feel that that's on the money. Mm-hmm. I think there's this endless pursuit that we can, we are free, but we're not <laughs> so free because there are both structural limitations and also sensory limitations and mm-hmm. psychological limitations as well. So sorry to interrupt because I think no. this is very important. It is. Please carry on. So yeah, this is this is what I offer. Um, um, freedom is 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 the goal, but freedom is not the way to freedom. And, and that is, at times, a, a, an interesting pill to swallow. And I know I rejected it when I first I heard it many years ago. Path for freedom, to be found within limitations. While you're talking about freedom is freedom, not realizing that, um, you know, to build yourself or to build a path towards freedom, you, you, you're going you're gonna to build it on something. So it is, um, I mean, the title of, of a book that I really like is called The, the Obstacle is the Way. Um, very stoic philosophy. Uh, I mean, the book is a stoic book by um, someone called Ryan Holiday. Um, and yeah, this is what I offer. Literally making peace with this and within that also appreciating that what you thought was a curse or was a um, something negative is actually can be seen and can be looked as as a blessing. Oh, you have scoliosis. Awesome. Let's now look at the validity of twisting. And now let's let's shatter the idea that everything has got to be done right and left exactly the same way. Oh, you, you mean it's useful? Yeah, most definitely. So it implies, um, you know, a certain confidence, obviously, um, for me as a teacher, but also the, train, the, the, the teachers that I train. But I am trying to impart and to empower people to see that whatever limitations they've been working with, whatever limitations they've been working against, those they've been complaining and whining about, and those that they thought uh, could never, they could never get rid of, can actually be the path towards them becoming anything. Mm. Mm. Um, and that, uh, that is how I do it. Um, yeah. yeah. Because I come up with this idea that um, yoga talks about transcendence, but I think that's an illusion. Mm-hmm. The first thing that we have to do is embody our current reality that we're in. And I think that's that's essential. And I think somewhere along the line, uh, there arises a level of acceptance. And that yes. acceptance somehow spews into a level of transcendence. But I think we... We miss the steps, really, yeah. how to get to, to this idea of freedom. I think our, our aim is too high for a lot of us, or some of these ideals, I think, are just too too far. Too far is a concept for us to even understand it, what it means in our bodies and what it means in our realities that we exist in. And so, uh, And this is one way of creating differentiation, contrast. Yeah. Well, I think this is, this, is, this is yeah this is the key I think and and somehow or another this message has been lost yeah uh, somehow and I, yeah you know and yeah so thank you Ruffin I appreciate those comments no, Meta, thanks, do you have any any other yeah anything else oh just one last question I guess before we wrap it up but I'm not adding to what we just discussed um maybe the key like so freedom has limitation and something you have to see that as as the path to that freedom 
And I feel that with a lot of people being told that is something that they cannot wrap their head around and what happens initially is a lot of pushback because mm-hmm. they have a certain preconceived idea of what is freedom. And I feel that that path to acceptance can be such a huge gap. Um, in your experience, Rafan, what are some of the steps that people can take to sort of bridge the two ends so that they can be with their limitation and see that from a different perspective? Yeah, I mean, I do have a couple of answers for this, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a short one, right? And it's something um, that I use on myself and I've used my, with myself for many years now. You ask yourself, I'm sorry, you give yourself two options. And I've, it's going to sound pretentious, but I've worked it out. There's no, there's no three options. There's only two. <laughs> okay. So for those listening, if you want a tool as to how you go about, you know, dealing with whatever sense of frustration or, or happiness about um, what Meta was just asking, um, this is how it works for me. This is what I tell my, my students and what I tell myself also. You have two choices when something like this pops up. Number one, give yourself a break. Give yourself a break, quite literally, give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Who are you um, not to struggle? Who are you not to get it, um, to want to get it straight away? Who are you to somehow um, expect everything to, you know, um, be working out exactly how you want to. So give yourself a break. Uh, I'm trying to say be compassionate towards yourself. Yeah. And um, if this is um, too cheesy for you, you go to number two. And as I said, I mean, uh, please, Meta and Vincent, do tell me if you can think of number three, but for the past few years I've been thinking about that, there isn't the number three. And number two is this. Get over yourself. <laughs> Simple yeah. as that. Build, build a bridge. <laughs> you know, and that's get it. Get, yeah. get, get over yourself. It's the same questions apply. Who are you mm-hmm. to think that you should get this straight away? Yeah. And who are you to think that you already have all the definitions about everything and anything that's got to do with you in your life? So... Mm-hmm. The, 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 the sub-questions are the same, but it's a case of how do you approach yourself. If you're someone who beats themselves up quite badly and negative talk and all those things, then, then yeah, it's my job as a, as a coach, as a mentor, as a psychotherapist in training to just remind you to just be compassionate and have, have a, bit, a lot more patience with yourself. You know, find the right people to work with, those people who are invested in, in, in your growth, and I'm going to tell you what you need to hear as opposed to what you want to hear. And number two, if, if that is, is not the right um, option for the day, go to number two and tell yourself to get over yourself. Mm. Yeah. Such a good advice. Yes, I fully agree. <laughs> I, mm, because, I tell myself but, that all the time, so I need to remind myself that constantly. Yeah, sorry, Vincent. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine because uh, also the way I use to bridge that gap as well is through uh, what I term as dosage, mm. how much, how little, you know, that enables then to meet the, the requirements of that moment. And, and, and this is a reliant, very much reliant on the skill of the teacher knowing yeah. how much, how little, what to say, when to say it, how much to say and when not to say anything. Mm-hmm. So because it's such a dynamic relationship, isn't it? This this process of trying to encourage an element of self-realization, both for, yeah. to our limitations and, and our potentialities. Yeah. So yeah. and from a, th- from a therapeutic perspective, you know, I've always come from the idea of, of dosage, how much, how little, too much sometimes just burns the person at, at the stake. It's, it's just, it's just, um, there's too much agitation and, and it's actually, um, it's not useful and it's not serving too little. It's doesn't create any transformation. So mm-hmm. there is this beautiful balance that we are trying to ascertain and, and it's such a, 
it's such a moving goalpost as well for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a yeah. very important point, right? Because some might think, well, you know, we need to be balanced in our approach, but it's not about being balanced or more importantly, it's about realizing that balance is not 50, 50. So it's not like you're going to tell yourself, you know, one time I'm going to be compassionate and the next time I'm going to tell myself and I'm just going to try to keep those balanced because no, in a realm of the hundred, 70, 30 is balanced. 80-20 is balanced, 90-10 is balanced. Yeah. So it's not about balance in a sense of equality as to, oh, I need to, no, it's, as you said, the mitigation, the um, juggling, and being right here, right now, be here now, assessing quite honestly, you know, yeah. what's going on. And the reason I said that is because I find for myself and also for a lot of people I mentor, that very often when your first answer is, or your first op- the first option you choose is um, be compassionate or give yourself a break, really and truly you need to go to number two. And very often when you go to number two and you start telling yourself, oh, get over yourself, blah, 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 really and truly perhaps you just need to go into number one. So, and that's a constant state of really assessing, um, you know, where you are on the day, what are your goals in terms of next week, next month, next year, five, ten years? Because those are very important as well. It gives you something to gauge and it offers you limitations to work within. And then to go with that. Um, but uh, yeah, it requires a constant state of paying attention. Uh, it's, it's just like driving, you know, those micro adjustments. Uh, we make thousands of them without noticing it when we drive. Um, with That's You know, true. with our hands on the wheel. And it's the same thing with our lives and our you know, constant balancing act of trying to work it out to the best of our growing ability. That's right. You know? our, our attention our attention needs to flow. Basically. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Ruffin, just tell us what you're doing at the moment, uh, where we can find you online, yeah. and all the little things that you're doing, which I think are great. Oh, so awesome. You can, yeah. Well, um, I'll start with where you can find me. You can find me on Instagram at um, rafan.co.uk. I'm sorry, at rafankebe, <laughs> all in one word. Um, you can find me online at my personal website, uh, which is rafan.co.uk, and rafan is spelled R-A-P for Patrick, H-A-N for November. And, I'm, and also uh, definitely find me on space-flow.yoga. That's the main website for the practice and the mentoring course and uh, my teacher training course starting in July as well and online and interactive teacher training course. So all the details are there for also the classes, space-flow.yoga. And what I'm currently doing is I'm in the process of, um, for the first time in my life, I guess, recording some of my classes so that people don't have to come online with me at the times that I teach and can literally mm. um, buy them and download them perhaps and practice them practice them anytime they want. So I'm in the midst of that. Uh, I did the first uh, uh, recording session last, last Thursdays and I'm going to do a lot more of that. I am in the process of um, recording meditation and motivation and motivational tracks for people mm. to listen to and hopefully uh, be inspired by. And um, I'm in the process of um, launching my the real launch of the Talking, Teaching and Flow podcast, which, which should be happening next week or in two weeks. Um, Great. Um, so where Vincent came was a, basically a pre-launch of me running live conversations with a live audience. And now I'm going to do basically what you guys are doing, which is I'm going to invite people like Vincent uh, hint, hint, um, <laughs> to, to discuss one-to-one or one, I say one-to-one, but I, I'm recording uh, one this afternoon with four yoga studio on, owners, uh, one in Canada, one in Paris, two in the UK, discussing, you know, what you've asked me early on, how is the switch to online, yeah. what is the next new normal going to bring for them and how they're coping um, that should be an interesting conversation um, because I know that one of them had to close down her studio. And uh, so this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to, I'm not trying because I'm, I'm just keeping busy basically with quite a lot of on my plate, but I'm having a good, good, good time. Uh, I wake up every morning, um, you know, 
looking forward to the day and to everything that I've I've got to do. I am unaware of I am aware slightly of what's going on in the world, especially nowadays with, you know, the riots and COVID nineteen and all those things. But I keep my head down and I keep walking and I keep teaching and I keep mentoring people in trying to provide as much uh, help and guidance as I possibly can. Still, you know, as I say, keeping my head down and keep myself busy walking. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. We're going to put these things online um, for you too, Ruffin. So, mm-hmm. so that people people have references from this podcast. For oh, awesome! To thank jump you. on. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Hey, listen, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate your wisdom. Yes. Everything that you so do. Much. It's brilliant. No, well, thank you to you both uh, for putting this together, for having me on, on board. I, I'm truly honored. It, it, is, uh, it is truly an honor. I, I don't say yes to uh, everyone who invites me to have conversations with, but I was delighted when you, uh, you, when you sent me the message. Um, and I'm touched and shocked that, uh, and shocked that you, 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 like my, you, know, you like what I do. So um, big thanks both um, to you, Vincent, and to you, Meta. Much well, appreciated. Thank you, Rafan. Thank yeah. you. Mm. Thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure listening to what you're sharing and yeah, looking forward to seeing more of you and more conversation hopefully in the future. Thank you. That'd be that'd be awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. And thank you everybody who's listening and we'll be back next week with another conversation. You've been listening to Hansa Conversations, a podcast. Please follow Hansa Yoga on Instagram and Facebook. Learn more about Hansa at Hansa.yoga on the web where you can also purchase online practice videos to practice at home. Don't forget to sign up to our mailing list to get updates on our latest news. So join us on the next Hansa Conversations and thank you for listening.